Okay, there we go. Technology. God help us all. Good morning, everyone. This morning we're going to talk about uh, stewardship. It's our first weekend of stewardship, and we're going to be talking about this for a couple weeks. And I'm sure when you came in, you saw those cards on your, uh, the end of your pews. Don't pick them up. Right? The rule is, if you're a professor, you know that if you give your handouts at the beginning of class, no one listens to anything you say the rest of the time. So we'll pull those out later at the end. But before we get to that this morning, today we're doing our stewardship of time and talent. And I want to reflect with you this morning on the nature of time. There's a, a wonderful book, some of you might have read it, it's called The Severe Mercy. It's by a man named Sheldon Van Aken. He was a friend of C.S. Lewis's, and he was a, a non-Christian. And he met C.S. Lewis, he went through a radical conversion together with his wife, and later on in his life, he actually became Catholic. But this little book he wrote about his story, of his, his story and his wife's is just a very powerful read. But within that book, he reflects at a certain point on the nature of time. That you and I live inside of that reality. And here's what he says. He says, not only are we harried by time... We seem unable, despite a thousand generations, even to get used to it. We are always amazed at it, how fast it goes, how slowly it goes, how much of it is gone. Where, we cry, has the time gone? If that is so, it may appear as a proof, or at least a powerful suggestion, that eternity exists, and that it is our home. I think it's a powerful line. And if you stop and think about it, I think it's profoundly true. Time is the strangest thing. There are times in our lives where, where things go so slowly, and we wish the time would pass. But usually it's kind of the opposite. I can't, I really can't believe I'm 35. And I know all of you who are older than me are laughing at me and saying, just wait. <laughs> wait till you hit 70, chump priest. Time, time goes so fast. Every year at this time of year, as the weather begins to change, every single year I always say to myself, how did I miss the summer? And I didn't get to the mountains like I planned. Every time, middle of winter, every year, I'm like, I am going to live in the mountains this summer. And I never get up there. And at this time of year, I just, I'm like, wow, how did, how did that time pass so quickly? My favorite example of this is my mother is one of those people who gets stressed about Christmas because she has to get the house ready and cook and she's buying presents for people. You know, we men, we don't get stressed because we don't care about other people. But my mother, she does, and she gets stressed out. And so every year on June 25th, 
my Aunt Ruth calls my mother every June 25th and says, Teresa, only six months to Christmas, <laughs> just to stress her out. <laughs> Time is so strange. And as we get older, as we age, what happens, brothers and sisters, we realize that our time is short. We realize that however long we live, it, it will be short. It will not, and will, no one really hits the end of their life and says, oh, that was like nothing. Or that was too much time. It's going to go fast. And when we realize that, we have kind of two options. We have two attitudes that we can approach that with. And the first way is the normal way. It's, it's the way that's kind of born into us. And what begins to happen is you, when you fear time, you start to cling to it. And you say, there's not enough. I don't have enough days. I don't have enough hours in the day. I don't have the time that I need. And so you cling to it. And you become possessive of your time. And all of us do this, by the way. I do this. When I, what always happens as a priest is when you finally have a, some, a spare moment, you're like, wow, maybe I could do some reading. The phone rings. And whichever one of you it is, I immediately resent you. <laughs> and I think, this is my time. It's mine. Hands off. And we, we become possessive. That's very normal. But it's not Christian. The Christian attitude towards time flips that on its head. The Christian attitude towards time realizes that your time actually is in yours. And it's an amazing thing that can happen. When a Christian realizes that you don't deserve the time you have, you actually, incredibly, it's the most amazing thing, you receive the freedom to stop grasping. And you receive freedom from your fears about time. Because you realize that God gave you these days and he didn't have to. You see, when you think that God owes you something or that you deserve things, it's so easy to become bitter. And you say, Lord, why don't I have that person's life? And Lord, why didn't you give me more time? Priests do this, by the way. When priest assignments come up, you know, and, and priests get assigned, the first thing they do is they look at where did other guys go? Right? And they say, well, that guy's a total chump. He doesn't deserve to go to that parish. I'm way more gifted than he is, and I have cooler hair. We do this. Priests, priests really do that. But there's an amazing thing that happens when you really, when your heart grows in your mind and it becomes more Christian, when you begin to see the world through the eyes of Jesus Christ, your attitude changes on these things. This morning, every morning, the first thing I do every single day, I, I formed a habit out of this. Every morning, what if you flipped it? Instead of saying, Lord, I'm scared I don't have much time, I'm getting older. 
Every morning, the first thing I do is I make the sign of the cross and I thank God that he gave me one more day. Because he didn't have to. There's nothing about me, there is nothing in my life that says I deserve to be alive today. And when you do that, you lose your envy. And everything changes. And you start looking at the world, not in the way that you say, all these things I should have and I don't, but you start to be a person of gratitude. That's at the heart of the Christian life. I want to tell you a story. I told this story the very first time I preached. Talk about being nervous. I was at my home parish, and my, my best friend, we were ordained deacons together, and he generously offered for me to preach, and, and uh, I don't know, maybe he was nervous and wanted to judge my preaching abilities, whatever. But I told this story, and it's about Rich Mullins. Some of you know Rich Mullins. Rich Mullins is someone that I just tremendously look up to. He has some really cheesy music. Um, he has some really good music, too. He has, he, he's the one who wrote that song, Our God is an Awesome God. I hate that song. <laughs> I really do. I absolutely hate that song. But I love Rich Mullins. He was a very holy man. By the way, he was an RCIA when he died. He was on his way into the Catholic Church. But Rich Mullins, one of my favorite stories about him is that Rich, he gives whole life to Jesus. And I oftentimes think, whenever I think of Rich, I think, Lord, if I could love you half the way that guy did, I'd be such the man I'm supposed to be. But Rich one day was driving. He was driving through Kentucky. And uh, it was springtime, and the hillsides and the, the meadows around him and the valleys were just exploding with life. And it was unbelievably green and verdant. And Rich had eyes like Jesus's. He saw the world the way Jesus sees it. And he was blown away by the beauty, and he stopped his car because he couldn't handle the beauty around him. And he got out of his car, and he got on his knees, and he said, for the first time in my life, I realized that God never had to create the color green. I bet you've never thought that before, have you? What if there were no color green? You see, we see the world in such a backwards way. We assume our blessings, and we lose our sense of wonder at the world. What if there were no color green? And so Rich Mullins wrote this song called The Color Green. It's a terrible song. <laughs> I really don't like it. But I love that story. I absolutely love that story. What if we were like that? This is what stewardship is about, brothers and sisters. Stewardship is about the person who understands that their time, their talents, and their treasure really, at the end of the day, don't belong to you. And you'll find that those people are the most joyful, happy people you'll ever meet in your life. Because instead of worrying all the time about what's not theirs, they're just grateful that God gave them anything. And they're freed from fear and anxiety. Not 100%, but a great deal. 
I remember when this began to happen to me, I wouldn't have articulated it quite this way. But when I went through my conversion in my college years, uh, I knew that I was never like the bad guy, you know, those, those really wicked bad people out there, whoever they are, the Presbyterians. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> One of these days, the Presbyterian pastor is going to be here and like, it's going to be a knife in my back after Mass. <laughs> But anyway, I wasn't one of those, I, I never saw myself as the bad guy who's out doing bad things. But I'll tell you the truth. I lived my life for Brian Larkin. I lived my life for me. I wasn't doing really bad, immoral things. But the center of my universe was me. And when I had my conversion, there's this scripture passage I memorized that has always been one of my favorites ever since. It's 2 Corinthians 5.15. And 2 Corinthians 5.15 says this. And it's so beautiful. It says, He died for all so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. Listen to that again. And he died for all, so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The real secret to joy, brothers and sisters, is to live for someone else. It's to stop worrying about your good and your security and the things you need. It's to live for someone who loved you more than you could ever imagine. Jesus lived that way. His whole life was lived for the Father. In John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman at the well, the apostles come back to Christ and they say, Lord, we have food. You must be hungry. And he says, I have food of which you do not know. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me. Jesus lived and breathed for God the Father. And the world tells us if you want to be happy, then cling to your time because it's yours. Don't let anybody steal your time for you, from you. Live for your life, your entertainment, your money, your power, whatever, your comfort. But Jesus says, He who seeks his own life will lose it. But the one who loses his life for my sake will find it. That's what stewardship is. Stewardship is knowing that we don't own our lives. We don't own our money. We do not own our houses or our cars or anything, or our time. Everything we have comes from God. Everything we have. Now, it's really easy to fall away from that. It's so easy to lose sight of that, and we all do it. But today what we want to do, brothers and sisters, is we want to be intentional about being people who give our lives away to God, who are grateful. That's what stewardship is. You know what I always thought? When you saw the stewardship cards, I'll tell you what I would have thought when, if I, when I was in your seats. I thought stewardship was a tricky word that the church invented to passively, aggressively ask for your money. I always thought that. 
I was like, just tell me you need money. I'll, I'll find. That's not stewardship. Do we need people to help with things? You know, is this all about, you know what, Father Brian's burned out and he's sick of doing everything himself and he needs help. Well, yeah, I'm totally burned out. No, just kidding. <laughs> I need help, I do. But that's not stewardship. Stewardship is that attitude that says, God, you're everything. You're everything. And I'll give my life for you the way you gave it for me. So this morning, we're going to do this. I want you to pull out your cards that are on the edge of your pews. And we're getting better at this. So if you're on the end, if you'd pass them down and pass those pens down. And everybody grab a card. We're going to start and I want to pray together. And so on that front of that card, it's a beautiful image, isn't it? It's Our Lady of Lords there on the front. 